Welcome to Christian Medical and Dental Association's Chapel. We trust this message will encourage your walk with the Lord. I want to spend some time today uh, focusing on a subject that uh, I've been chewing on for quite some time. And in some recent uh, other presentations I've been working on, I thought I want to, this is something I want to share with our CMDA staff and family. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about discipleship today. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, you know the scripture well. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the, the context for Jesus sending out his disciples is to what? To make make disciples. And there are a lot of misunderstandings that we have about this verse of Scripture, who it's included to, and who, who's responsible for this, and uh, who should be engaged in this Great Commission activity. Oftentimes we think that the Great Commission was given for a few hyperactive Christians who care about world missions, right? And that's just not true. If we're a follower of Christ, we've been given the Great Commission, and uh, it's a mandate that we're all to be engaged in. One of the things that's been interesting to me over the last couple of years is to travel internationally and to realize, and I love to teach this to uh, believers around the world, that the Great Commission wasn't given to the United States. Have you ever thought about that? And a lot of times people think it is. I was, uh, Dr. Whitman and I were asked several years ago to go to Russia, and uh, what do you want us to teach on? I want you to teach on the Great Commission. So I was, okay. So I started teaching on the Great Commission. So I was talking about their responsibility to make disciples of all nations, and they kind of stopped me in my tracks, and they're like, this, isn't, this, is, this is your guys' responsibility to come do this for us. And I thought, well, that's, that's not what the Bible says. This is a commission that we've all been given to make disciples of all nations. But nonetheless, there's a lot of confusion, misunderstandings that come around this idea of what it means to be a disciple and to the idea of discipleship. I was asked by our board this last month to kind of do a teaching uh, from the Center for Well-Being on uh, the difference between discipleship, coaching, and mentoring. And I put together a whole uh, training seminar for our board on that, but just want to kind of bring this in just for a, a just a kind of a brief flyby that these three things are not all the same. Amen. These are not all the same uh, ideas, uh, but just different terms that are being used for that. I want to focus primarily on the, the word discipleship today and what it's about. Um, GotQuestions.org defines discipleship as, as this. Christian discipleship is the process by which disciples grow in the Lord Jesus Christ and are equipped by the indwelling Holy Spirit to overcome the pressures and trials of this present life and become more and more Christ-like. I think there's a couple things that are really important in the, any definition of discipleship. One is the word process. This is a process. How many of you got it all down and got it perfected and you're a, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and you got it, everyone else can model you, right? You got it? And that's a process. And the more we understand that it's a process, the more helpful it is. And then it's also not only a process, but it's a process of becoming more and more and more like Christ. And thus, there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings that people have. And so let's talk this idea about discipleship. How many of you realize that this, the word discipleship does not appear one time in our English Bibles? Did you realize that? The word disciple does. He called his disciples. That, that word appears uh, quite frequently in the Bible. But the word discipleship never does. 
And it simply means a learner. A disciple is a learner. The concept for this is clearly laid out throughout scriptures and some of the commands of Christ. It's like the word Trinity. The word Trinity never appears in the Bible either, but the concept is clearly there. And so let's talk about this idea of, uh, of discipleship. I love this quote um, that talks about discipleship can be a junk drawer word. How many of you have a big junk drawer? Huh? And isn't it amazing what ends up in the junk drawer sometimes? It's, uh, discipleship is this junk drawer word that, and maybe even in this room here, it's as small as we are here in this room, Maybe everyone has this different idea of what, oh, discipleship has to have this, it has to include this, and it has to include that. And Well, my experience is we, we often tend to t- uh, talk from our own experiences and how we were discipled, or even if we were discipled, and it just becomes this kind of junk drawer for all kinds of stuff. It's a word that people put all kinds of things into it. Uh, some of those things don't belong there, amen? There's some of these concepts that don't belong there. I want to challenge the process today as we talk a little bit about discipleship. Best definition I ever heard about discipleship is Dallas Willard's definition. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. The process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Remember, it's a process and it's becoming. Those two key words are so critical in this idea of discipleship. Well, how many disciples did Jesus have? Not a trick question, okay? How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. Okay, thank you. You guys are with me this morning. I didn't have to go back and start all over again, hit rewind. Uh, he had twelve disciples. And, um, and so I got thinking about some of these misconceptions about discipleship. And I thought, well, it wouldn't be kind of cool to come up with the uh, twelve deceptions about discipleship. One for each one, right? Okay? So the twelve deceptions about discipleship. Now, as you can imagine... Uh, if you're going to talk about anything that has a category of 12, uh, and we have a uh, three-hour and 45-minute chapel this morning, uh, we're not going to get all this in here, okay? So I'm going to fly fairly quickly, but if you'd like a copy of this, I'd be glad to email it to you. And, and these are just some things, this isn't probably even an, an exclusive list, but some of the misconceptions, some of the deceptions that people believe about uh, discipleship. So let's just take uh, a moment and jump into these. Before we do, another Dallas Willard quote says this, since making disciples is the main task of the church, every church ought to be able to answer two primary questions. One, what is our plan for making disciples? And number two, is our plan working? What's our plan for making disciples? We ought to be able to answer these two questions. What's our plan? What's our game plan for making disciples? And number two, is the, is the game plan working? When I was interviewing several years ago uh, to be the, the lead pastor at Woodburn Missionary Church, uh, they wanted to know, what's my plan for discipleship? Simple. I said, uh, we're going we're gonna to take people on mission trips, and that's going to be our plan and our model for discipleship. It was really? They, weren't taking, they were investing about $500,000 in missions, uh, but not sending a single person. And so that first year, I, sent, I led a team. We led two teams. The first year, we took seven teams. Uh, around the world, and each one of those people I discipled before I took them, I discipled them on the field, and I had the privilege of pastoring and caring for them after they returned home. And we just went through this walking through this process of discipleship. And our goal was 20 teams a year by the year 2020. And in 2019, we were sending 27 mission teams a year all across the country and around the world. And that was our game plan. We knew that if we could get someone on a mission trip, we could go through the training. If they went and encountered the, what the Holy Spirit was doing around the world, then we could walk them through a process 
of discipleship. So what are these 12 deceptions about discipleship? Number one, discipleship is for making converts and training new believers. It's a misconception. It's a it's a, a deception about discipleship. And a lot of people use, again, these words interchangeably. Well, that's not, discipleship is not about making converts. That's evangelism, right? Uh, discipleship is about making disciples. Uh, John Wesley said, The church changes the world not by making converts, but by making disciples. And the problem is that when we focus on making converts, there's a lot of people that will pray a sinner's prayer. They'll, they'll say yes, but they don't always carry through and follow through. But when you make disciples, of all nations, and you walk them through this process of becoming more and more like Christ, you not only change their life, you not only change the church where they engage in, but you literally change the world by training and teaching people to become more and more like Christ. Discipleship is far more than making converts or just training new believers. And one of the primary problems with this misconception or this deception is if if you have been a believer for 10 years or more, then you should be outside that realm of the new believer and the new convert. And so because you've been maybe a believer for 20 years or 25 years or 18 years, however long it's been, you're not a new believer, you're not a new convert. And so oftentimes we have the tendency to think, I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, but that doesn't equate to discipleship just because you've been a Christian for a long time. Uh, jo Joey Shaw says this, the difference between convert making and disciple making is critical. Converts change religions. Disciples change masters. Converts follow a system. Disciples follow a person. Con converts build Christendom. Disciples build the kingdom of God. Converts embrace rituals. Disciples embrace a way of life. Converts love the command to baptize them in, in, in the Great Commission. But that is all. Dis disciples baptize others only in the context of teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Converts love conversion. Disciples love transformation. You see, myth number one, discipleship is for making converts and for training new believers. Number two, the second uh, deception in discipleship is discipleship is optional in the Christian life. Discipleship is optional. There's so many people that they hear, when they go to church, they hear the pastor talking about this thing about discipleship, or there's a discipleship course or a discipleship class that we're offering. And a lot of people sit back and say, well, you know, I'm not sure that's for me. Tim Keller said, Jesus said that if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. Discipleship is not an option in the Christian life. It's not something that you can choose whether you want to. If you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, we are challenged and called to be and to make disciples. Bill Hall said this, All who are called to salvation are called to discipleship. No exception, no excuses. And so this idea is that, okay, I go to church, I, I read my Bible, uh, right? but this idea of discipleship, I, I'm not sure that's for me. Yes, it is if you call yourself a Christian. It's not optional in the Christian life. Number three, discipleship can be mandated. This is one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in ministry. I uh, was in my first church as a youth pastor. Uh, when I first went to that church, there was about 14 uh, kids that, that attended that church, and uh, I was the new uh, youth pastor and did what youth pastors did. We started some Wednesday night activities and Sunday night activities, and we had all kinds of fun things for the kids to do. And and I went to a youth pastors conference back then, a bunch of wild youth pastors going to a conference in Atlanta. And, 
And I read, I read this stuff about discipleship and Barry St. Clair. Some of you remember, remember that name. It was a several five, six books you used to do. And, and uh, I remember thinking, man, this is it. This is where it's at. And, and we had grown our youth group from about 14 kids to about 60 kids who were coming out on Wednesday night. And I remember I got up and I gave a passionate speech about, hey, we're, we're about making disciples. And, we're gonna, and from now on on Wednesday nights, we're not going to do as much fun stuff as we've been doing. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna to make disciples. And, man, I grew that group down to about six. <laughs> about nearly destroyed it. About killed it. Fortunately, uh, I was smart enough to figure out this isn't working. And so I kind of shifted gears and we went back to what we were doing on Wednesday night, started picking up and growing again. But I started inviting some of these young kids to a life of discipleship. And we would pick them up after school and we'd go get something to eat and we'd talk about the scripture in the Bible. And there were six uh, seventh and eighth grade boys who signed up for that course. No, no one else was interested in it. But they took that course. And what I realized that day is you can't mandate discipleship. And I began that day to look not for, not for a crowd of people that come and say, I'm going to make you a disciple. Uh, I, the, I began to look for people who are hungry, faithful, available, teachable, and leadable. Hungry, available, faithful, teachable, and leadable. And when I found people who had those qualities, I began to invest my life in them. And, and what we began to see was real discipleship taking place. Number four, discipleship can be carried out at your convenience and without cost. It can be carried out at your convenience and without cost. The worldly thought is, I'm busy, my schedule's full, I really don't have time for another activity at the church. And so when they start talking about discipleship, ah, you know, I go on Sunday mornings, or I, I really, I'm, I'm living a life of discipleship because I go on Sunday mornings and I even go to Sunday school, right? That doesn't necessarily equate to discipleship. The real reason that many people don't participate in discipleship is it's not a priority in their life. Remember the story that Jesus told he was going around and everyone that he ever called to disciple, he didn't mandate, you have to come follow me. He invited every one of his disciples to come follow him. And he was with a group of people who were following him in Luke chapter 9, and he said, come follow me. And they said, I'm paraphrasing, this is the Burke translation, we'd love to, we're really busy right now, and um, as soon as mom dies, as soon as dad dies, and as soon as this happens, and as soon as this happens, we're going to get around, and we're going to do that. We're going to do this thing called discipleship. Jesus said, if you remember that story, he said, uh, you know, let the dead bury the dead, right? Well, we've got to sell some property. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. No, no. Come. He invited people to come and to follow him. You see, it's demanding. It's costly. It demands sacrifice. The disciples that Jesus called, they left immediately and they followed Christ. When they heard the call, they realized that this wasn't about convenience. This wasn't about what I need to do and how I need to end the quarter really well in my fishing business and anything else that needs to go on. They realized that when they heard the call, that was a call to act in obedience, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And when Jesus said, come, follow me, they followed to make fishers of men. Number five, discipleship is more about resources than relationship. Discipleship is more about resources than relationship. This is a huge misunderstanding when it comes to the concept of discipleship. It's a huge deception in discipleship because so many people equate the number of book studies that they've been through with a life of discipleship. Now, remember, I talked about this Barry St. Clair material, and it's a, it had all these cartoon stick figures, and it was actually pretty good material. 
But it was like a six-book study, right? And so if you took book one, you had gone through a discipleship course. But man, if you'd taken book two, you were really on fire for Jesus, right? But if you got through book six, you were a disciple of Jesus Christ because you had gone through some discipleship material. And the reality is, what I realized early on in my ministry career was, it's not how many books, studies you do on discipleship that makes you a disciple. There are a lot of people who love academics and love to study and love to read, and they're always reading and studying, but it doesn't make them a disciple of Jesus Christ. Christian publications would want you to believe it's about the resources you read that equate to discipleship. And you know why? Because the more you read, the more they sell and the more money they make, right? And so that's the equation with discipleship. Well, let me remind you of this simple truth. A discipleship class does not classify you as a disciple. A discipleship class does not classify you as disciple. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, right? I'm not even saying you shouldn't take that class. But just because you've been through book one of the Navigators and on any other series that you're going to go through doesn't make that you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wasn't it Keith Green years ago that says going to church doesn't make you any more Christian than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac, right? And uh, so that's, that's, that's really true, right? And just because you've gone through a couple of discipleship courses, it's not about the resources or the materials uh, that, are, that are being shared. The materials are immaterial when it comes to discipleship. It's about the process of becoming more and more like Christ. Discipleship is a lifestyle, not a lecture on spiritual maturity. You can sit through this lecture or this class on what discipleship is and what it isn't and not be any farther along in your spiritual journey of discipleship. I remember, reminded as I've traveled around the world, uh, this last trip to Cambodia made number 40, the 40th country that I've traveled to uh, since I said yes to the Great Commission. And what I realized is there are disciples all across the world who don't have access to enormous amounts of material. So the material is immaterial. Discipleship is not a course or curriculum or something that you complete. It's about a person that you imitate and you become more and more like him. And this imitation is a process where you're in the practice of putting the words of Jesus, all that I've commanded you into practice, and being doers of the word of God. Number six, discipleship. The, the sixth deception is discipleship is primarily a one-way conversation. A one-way conversation. You know what a lot of people think? And this is, by the way, why a lot of people don't participate in discipling other people, why they're not making disciples, is they're overwhelmed by this idea is, I've got to make you into somebody, right? You think about trying to make Scott into something. Now, just imagine the weight of that, you know, uh, how difficult that could be. Now, so people stay away from that because they think about, well, I've got to make you into something, and they shy away from it. They, they look at it as like a one-way conversation, even though the Bible says teaching you to observe all things that I've commanded you, it doesn't make it a one-way conversation. I remember pastoring uh, the last church I was pastoring in, and, and the elders couldn't decide on the best method of discipling people, the best method of choosing to implement a life of discipleship of the church. We went month after month after month after month uh, talking about, well, we could do this, or we could do this, and we could do that. And finally, I'd had enough of the conversation. And I said that night, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Everyone do whatever they want to do. Whatever you think is the best method, whatever is the book, whatever the best process you, you think is the best process, and here's what we're going to do. From here on out, next month when we meet together, we're going to hold each other accountable. That We're going to ask each other a few questions. Number one is, who are you discipling? Number two, 
What are you doing to disciple that person? And number three, how's it working? And so every month, all of these people, they couldn't all agree on what, what the method to do for discipleship, so they all went out and began to use the, choose someone and, and begin to, to, to disciple people. And so what would happen when we got together every month, we would begin to talk about, okay, I'm, I'm discipling Tim, and we're using this. And I had come up with this thing called 20 Questions. I shared it with Bill several years ago, and, and they've used it here at CMDA. It was 20 questions because I, I looked at Jesus, and I thought, well, how did, he, how did he disciple people? He asked questions. Who do men say that I am? He began to ask about 168 questions in the Scripture. So I came up with 20 questions that you, you found a, a, per, a partner, an accountability partner, or someone you were discipling one another. And uh, you would begin to go through these 20 questions. Now, this was a, lot, a process. You didn't do 20 questions in one night. Sometimes the, my, the person that he and I were discipling each other, we would get through two questions, and that would be we'd have great, great deep conversations about those things. We would ask, you know, like we'd ask questions like, what's, what's God teaching you in his word right now? You know, you could ask that question 100 times, and every, every time you get asked that question, it would be something different. Is there any area of sin in your life that's causing you uh, to be tempted? And you, that, you can ask that every day, and it's something different. There were 20 questions that you began to ask each other. Now, what I loved about this was um, I, it wasn't one person doing all the talking. It was 20 questions, and you, you, you would sit down, and my, the person I was mentoring and, and uh, coaching at the time and, and discipling, his name was Tim, and Tim was a really quiet, shy guy. And uh, I, I remember the first time I picked him up to go do this discipleship 20 questions thing, uh, we talked about three things. He said about three sentences, and he was quiet. He'd, he, we had said everything that we could talk about, and I thought, good Lord, how am I ever going to get through this, right? We started on those 20 questions and for months and even years while I was his pastor. We met every week and went through the 20 questions, and the level of growth in Tim's life and in my life was absolutely overwhelming. I said to Tim one time, I said, Tim, do you, if I said to you, I was going to teach you a course, of a curriculum, and then you had to go teach it. Do you think you could do that? You know, I don't think I could do that. That's not my personality. I said, what about this? We just meet with someone and ask them some questions and have a conversation about where you're at spiritually. He said, I could do that. 20 questions work. If you're ever interested in 20 questions, I'll be glad to share it with you. Number seven, quickly, discipleship was created for accountability. Now, there's nothing wrong with accountability. Don't hear me wrong. Uh, discipleship can, can be a, an accountability partner or things like that. But that's not the purpose of the purpose of accountability. There's a lot of other organizations that hold people accountable to their task, right? It doesn't mean they're doing discipleship. It's not about accountability. It's about accessibility to the Lord Jesus Christ, becoming more and more and more like Christ. The process of becoming like Christ. And when you're discipling someone and you give them that accessibility, you're sharing your struggles, you're sharing your joys, you're sharing the things that God's teaching you, and they gain access into a deeper relationship with Christ because they're being discipled. Number eight, discipleship can be accomplished at a distance. Now, one of the things we've learned in the coaching ministry here at CMDA is we used to do all these coaching seminars in person prior to COVID, and then COVID hit and we went virtual, we went Zoom. And you know what? We'd never go back. To in per we might have one here and there, but it's been so successful to be able to have these classes. Our, our people who take it don't have to come to Bristol uh, to do it. They do it for six weeks once a night. It's been a very effective teaching method. But when it comes to discipleship, you can't do it at a distance. Uh, Jesus said, come, follow me, Matthew 4, 19. Uh, Peter got in trouble when he followed at a distance. You remember that? When he, was, when he was walking closely with Jesus, he was, all, he was pulling out swords and chopping off soldiers' ears, remember? When he was following at a distance, a little girl comes up to him and just spooks him. 
He wasn't as strong as he was when he was following closely. Howard Hendricks said this, You can impress from a distance, but you can only impact up close and personal. So how do we do that? You have a, you have a person that you're discipling and you spend time together. You walk the journey together. Discipleship is accomplished up close and personal. Number nine, discipleship is usually uh, a harvest. A discipleship will usually harvest immediate results. And by the way, this is just not true. Like there's oftentimes people say things like, oh, you need to get involved because you need to be making disciples and kind of getting on this track of making disciples and kind of producing this harvest. But it's funny, some of those conversations of helping people become more and more like Christ take years and years and years. I remember one time in my second church, I was a youth pastor, associate pastor at a church in Ohio, and, and uh, it was a really tough group of kids. So I decided I'm going to start focusing on discipleship, and I had uh, seven sixth-grade boys. And I began to disciple them. One day I took them to Asbury University. It was college at the time, and took them on a road trip. And I remember I got in trouble from the senior pastor. He said, you don't take sixth-grade boys to visit a college. And I thought to myself, well, that's a great idea, right? Because if you take these sixth-grade boys, they might like it so much, and they may end up going to Asbury. And, and uh, so I, it was a rough go-around in our time there in that church. There was a lot of spiritual warfare going on. And kind of left that church thinking I was an absolute failure and wasting my time. And then one day I was at Go International. I was in Wilmore. I was in church, and, and someone came up and tapped me on the shoulder. And it was one of those young boys uh, in my sixth-grade discipleship class years earlier I turned around and called him by name, and I said, man, what are you doing here? He said, I'm a freshman at Asbury this year. And it was that trip that caught his attention, and he went. I said, well, what are you studying here at Asbury? He said, I'm studying for the ministry. God called me to the ministry. I said, what are the other boys up to? I hadn't seen him or talked to him forever. He said, you know, five of those seven boys have, have committed their life to ministry or missions. It's a process. But the harvest doesn't happen immediately. It's a, it's a process that takes a lot of time. Number 10, discipleship happens organically. It's a huge myth. It's a huge deception. And a lot of people think, well, we'll just we'll kind of hang out. We'll do life together. It's a common phrase a lot of people use. And we'll just, we'll just do some discipleship. It doesn't happen organically. The truth is it happens intentionally. Jesus intentionally said, come follow me and I will make you. By going on the journey together, it wasn't an organic thing that made it happen. It was an intentional calling that Jesus made to his disciples. Number 11, discipleship can be produced without personal participation. Hey, listen, I, I can't make you a disciple if I'm not one. It just doesn't work. And it was A.W. Tozer uh, who pointed out that only a disciple can make a disciple. Howard Hendrick again said, you teach what you know, but you produce, reproduce who you are. So it takes disciples to make disciples. One of the reasons why a lot of people don't engage in this idea of discipleship is because they're not personally engaged in the process of discipleship. And number 12, discipleship requires perfection before participation. Discipleship requires perfection. Have you ever, have you, has it ever kept you away from making disciples? Well, my, I don't have my whole life together. I, I'm not perfect, and I shouldn't be engaged in this process of discipleship. Well, let me tell you something. If that's your story, but you're a sinner saved by grace, you're the perfect candidate for discipleship and falling out of obedience to the Great Commission and making disciples of all nations. 
Because you know what I found? People don't need perfection to try to match up to. What they need is someone who'll be honest about their struggles. If we're in the process of making people become more and more like Christ, then sometimes that we have to be vulnerable with followers of Jesus Christ. And sometimes people look at us and they think, well, man, they've got it all together. And they don't understand the things we struggle with or the temptations we face or the times we get discouraged. And, and sometimes when you're in that one-on-one making that journey together and, and becoming disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what happens is you, you begin to have this encounter uh, with one another and you're sharing and you're encouraging one another and you're saying, well, listen, I, I've gone through the same thing before and, and this is what's happened in my life. Well, there's so much more I could say about this subject, but do you understand what it means to be a disciple and make a disciple? And I hope that today you'll consider what it means to get on the journey and to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, to commit yourself to following Him and learning all the things that He has commanded us in His Word and finding someone else, praying about who would, who would be someone, whether that's someone here at work, whether that's someone in my family, whether it's one of my kids, whether it's someone at church, someone that I could come alongside of and invest my life in obedience to the Great Commission and begin the process of making disciples. All nations is our goal. But let's start right here in our, in our own network, in our own neighborhood of making disciples. Father, thank you for uh, this call that you place in our lives to be disciples and make disciples of all nations. I ask, Lord, that uh, you would use this simple challenge today to, to make us desire to be more like you and help us to understand what discipleship is and to engage in this process, taking this seriously and uh, following in your footsteps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.